following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. Tuesdays on the Huge Show across Michigan are brought to you by the Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. Book your getaway today at SoaringEagleCasino.com and also download the Eagle Access app. And they now have live sports wagering inside the Ascend Sportsbook and nightclub inside Soaring Eagle in Mount Pleasant. And if you want to get an update and buy tickets to all the great indoor shows, find out about the promotions and the giveaways, go to SoaringEagleCasino.com and download that Eagle Access app. Tuesdays on the Huge Radio Network are presented by the incredible Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. Welcome back here to the Huge Show. It is our number three, broadcasting live all across the great state of Michigan and worldwide on the iHeartRadio app. Just search 96-1 The Game for our flagship home. That's where Brett Hayes is located, our 96-1 The Game studios. Why is it so difficult for me to say, Brett? 96-1 The Game studios. That's what I'm trying to say. Find Brett on Twitter at the Brett Hayes H-A-Z-E. You can find me, Anthony Bellino, filling in for the huge one today, Bill Simonson at AEC Bellino. Mercantile Bank listener line 1-866-838-HUGE, 1-866-838-4843. Or you can text the keyword HUGE, send that to 21000. That's HUGE, H-U-G-E, to 21000. If you want to get involved in the program today. Big thanks to uh, Scoop Jackson for joining us on the NBA. Dan Hasty in hour number one on the Detroit Tigers. And we are looking, hour number three here, we'll talk to Brian Hand of the Wing Wheel Podcast about the lack of luck for the Detroit Red Wings in the lottery last night. They end up right where they were supposed to be. Just one of, the, just one of those things. What are you going to do? But, I mean, they, were, they had the best odds of being ninth, and that's where they, uh, that's where they find themselves. So you, can't, you can't be too unhappy about that. I do, I do understand where people get upset when, you know, you look at our, our past lottery history and how the ping pong balls have fallen. I know why the leagues do it, because they don't want to see teams openly tanking. But for you know, you know, for me, I don't know if there's a perfect way to do it. I don't know if there's a good system. I'm not really sure. Uh, by the way, congratulations, former Michigan State Spartan and current Memphis Grizzlies forward Jaron Jackson Jr. <laughs> He was already named the NBA's Defensive Player of the Year last month. He's headlining the NBA's All-Defensive First Team, which was unveiled uh, this afternoon. He's joined the first team by Milwaukee Bucks center Brooke Lopez, Cleveland Cavs power forward Evan Mobley, along with Bucks guard Drew Holiday and Bulls guard Alex Caruso. Jackson's teammate Dylan Brooks was one of five players named to the league's All-Defensive Second Team. He was joined by Toronto Raptors forward OG Ananobi, Draymond Green of the Warriors, Bam Adebayo of the Heat, and Derek White of the Boston Celtics. So 96 first-team votes for Jaron Jackson Jr., and congratulations to him, the leading vote-getter at 195. So a very nice move there for the Michigan State Spartan. We'll take it. Very busy sports day for us, uh, for all of you, depending on uh, what sport you want to follow. 6-10 first pitch today uh, between the Cleveland Guardians and Detroit Tigers, so just uh, just over a little bit over an hour away. 
Michael Lorenzen will take the hill. He's got a 101 record and a 514 ERA and 21 innings pitched. His whip is at 138. He's got 22 hits, 16 strikeouts, 7 walks, and has surrendered 3 home runs. He'll be taking on Shane Bieber, highly touted righty. With a 296 ERA and a 2 and 1 record so far. His whip, uh, vastly, vastly better, 1.07. He's got way more innings this year, though, at 45 and two thirds. That's pretty solid. Only four home runs, 12 walks, 30 strikeouts for Shane Bieber. Can the Tigers get a little Bieber fever tonight? That'll be the question. They got a 1 0 series lead in the current series, which is good. And when you take a look at the regular season, Thus far, the Tigers up three games to one against their AL Central rivals, Cleveland, and the mistake by the lake. By the way, Guardians 16 and 19 overall. Tigers 16 and 18, 7 and 3 in their last 10. One of the hottest teams in all of baseball. Only three teams have a better record over their last 10 games the Tampa Bay Rays, the Boston Red Sox, and the LA Dodgers. By the way, speaking of the Dodgers, I saw a report here. Earlier today, the Shohei Otani is looking at $500 million plus, And they are expecting the Padres and the Mets to run up the price. But word is he'll just be driving across the street and joining the L.A. Dodgers. Can you imagine that? I wonder what the Dodgers payroll would be with Shohei Otani on it right now. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that, hey, look, Shohei is the king of a guy who puts together a otherworldly stat line, breaks some historical record that's never been done in the common era or hasn't been done since 1842. And here comes Shohei Otani. The last player to do this was some guy named Whitey Willoughby. And the Angels will lose 5-2. Like, that's just that, that's what his career has been in Los Angeles. And it is a shame that the Angels have had not one but two players Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, you can even throw in Albert Pujols, who was hanging out there for a while, and they have just done nothing, nothing with all that talent. An absolute shame. Speaking of a team that's doing nothing, by the way, the Oakland Athletics. What an embarrassment to the game of baseball. Have you guys seen their crowds? And I know, look, I know Tigers crowds have been bad, but the weather's been bad. The weather's been bad. The team wasn't very good early on in some of their home series. I would expect more and more people are going to jump on this Tigers bandwagon and they're going to they're going to ride this train right now because what the Tigers are, are they're watchable. They're I mean it's I wouldn't necessarily say they're over the top entertaining. But look, I mean they were going into a game against Toronto on April 13th, right? And they had lost 3 straight to the Rays. They won 2 out of 3 against Houston, right? And then they got swept by the Bow Sox three games. And you're looking at it, and you're like, okay, this team is 2-7 and seven going into this series against Toronto. Now they're 2-9. and nine. Javi got benched, and they've turned some things around. They did have another four-game slide in there between that one game in Cleveland and then you know, going to see Baltimore again. But if they didn't have to play Baltimore, if they didn't have to play the AL East, this team would be lights out. Lights out. They are somewhat entertaining. I think that they are exceeding expectations. And I think we are going to see much more of a committed attendance number 
than what we've seen earlier on in the season. You know, I think the days of 10, 11, 12,000 fans showing up to Comerica Park, I think that number is going to be a little bit better. I mean, the hell, the park's seats 44,650 at capacity. So I'm not saying that they're going to put 30,000 plus, but I do think we'll start to see some attendance numbers climb over 20K because I think that A.J. Hinch, for as much slander as he took early in this year, he's doing the best that he can with what he's got, which isn't a whole lot. And they're going to need some guys to, you know, they're going to need some guys to perform a little bit. But all in all, they've been pretty good. You know, you look at the box score from last night. McKinstry was two for four. Drew a walk. Run scored with an RBI. Riley Green, two for four. Drew a walk. Two RBI. Javi was one for five. Did have an RBI. Only one strikeout for Javi. That's a good That's a good number. Maton was one for four with an RBI. Drew a walk. Had a strikeout. Torkelson was one for four. Drew a walk. Had a strikeout. Akil Badu, I mean, God bless him. 0 for four. One walk, one strikeout. Miggy was one for four with a couple of Ks. Andy Banez, two for three, three runs scored, one RBI, hit the home run, drew a walk. That was a really nice day from him. And Eric Haas, who was three for four with a couple of runs scored. The big number for me, you got to keep that team strikeout number low. It's got to be seven or lower. They only struck out seven times as a team, and they drew six walks, which is a pretty high number for a team that has really lacked some plate discipline over the last couple of years. I feel bad about watching Miguel Cabrera. You know, it is what it is. It's, uh, you know, it's like, it's like watching your dog who's, you know, 10, 12, 14 years old, and it's got the hip issue. It can't sit down. It's hobbling around. Like, that's, it's the same, same process. We all know the outcome. We all know the ending. But it's, you know, you want to see him out there. You want to see him do something good. But all, all in all, a team that's 5 for 14 with runners in scoring position, that number looks good. They had a good day yesterday. You just got to stack days. That's all you can do. Stack good, positive days. And I think with the way that they are playing right now, competitively, exceeding expectations. I mean, I was one of those people that said, hey, this team's probably going to lose 100 games this year. So, you know, buckle up. And there were, there were callers in them. I host the mornings here on the Michigan Sports Network. We had the phone lines light up. They're not going to lose. I had the hundred. What are you talking about? Have some faith. I said, I don't have any faith. I had a lot of faith last year. What happened? The wheels fell off the bus. We were terrible. They sit through a season like that. Ugh. So this year, you know, no mice. All right. Scooble, Turnbull, Manning. Like, where, where is everybody? You know what I mean? And it's like, hey, Eduardo Rodriguez is putting together a really, really nice season to this point. The ace of the staff. The team as a whole is playing well. They're entertaining. And they're, they're competing. And that's all we can ask. That's all we can ask. And the fact that the AL Central is so bad this year. I mean, top to bottom, they are just awful. One team over 500. The Kansas City Royals have 10 wins. The Chicago White Sox, I mean, you can't blame Tony La Russa. He's not there. The Chicago White Sox have a 333 winning percentage. They're 12 and 24. You remember the conversation going into last year? White Sox the favorite. Oh, the White Sox, the White Sox. <laughs> what the hell happened to them? And you have the Guardians under 500, the Tigers, two games under 500, and everybody chasing the Twins. Twins barely over 500. 
at 19 and 16. Like that's a that's a division that's very much in reach. It's not like the AL West where the Mariners are have, have been okay. The Angels are good, but even the Angels at 20 and 16 trail the Texas Rangers by a couple of games. who are playing good ball. The Atlanta Braves look like they're going to be able to run away with the NL East. The Mets spent all that money. They got not a whole lot to, you know, if if you look at the Mets payroll and the Tigers payroll, you got to giggle to yourself. You do. The Tigers are half game behind the Mets right now. That's it. The Mets spend $84 billion. The Tigers spend 13 cents. We're, we're more worried about building parking lots around the, around the buildings. You know, it's a division that's ripe for the taking. You just got to stay competitive in this first half of the season. And then whatever happens at the deadline, if there's interest for Eduardo and you got to make the move to build for the future, then I understand it. But if you decide that, hey, at this point right now, we're within striking distance, we've kept it close, we're within a couple games, you know, who knows what can happen at the trade deadline. Stranger things have happened. So buckle up. That game less than an hour away from the first pitch, Tigers and Guardians tonight at 6-10 at uh, Progressive Field, a.k.a. the Jake there at the Mistake by the Lake. All right, we're going to step aside. Ryan Hanna joins us next, talking a little Detroit Red Wings and their lack of lottery luck next here on The Huge Show. From Detroit to Petoskey, this show is huge. In the den. Hey, sports fans, here's a hanging curveball that you can knock out of the ballpark. This is Matt Shepard, the voice of Detroit baseball, inviting you to step up to the plate at Eagle Casino and Sports, the mobile sports book where you can bet on all your favorites all year round, including, of course, our national pastime. So download the app and start winning today. Eagle Casino and Sports, made in Michigan, made for Michigan. Must be 21 years or older and in Michigan to play. How do you look at the Major League Baseball standings? Do you like the parity, or is it troubling that the week started with 13 teams over 500, including all five teams in the American League East and only one team from the American League Central and National League Central. This can benefit teams like the Tigers and others who would be satisfied with playing meaningful games in September. Detroit has had a few good series in a row and will need to continue that trend knowing Seattle, a surprise underachiever so far, and Pittsburgh, a stunning overachiever until now, are both coming to town after the road trip. There is more parity through the first month or so in baseball now than in past seasons. That can be a good thing or a bad thing depending on your team and your expectations. We played for the thrill. That rush you feel with the game on the line. I'm Herman Moore, Lions All-Pro Wide Receiver. Now, with Eagle Casino and Sports, the new sportsbook app from Soren Eagle, anywhere I'm at, I'm still in the game. Sign up now and get up to $1,000. That's right, up to $1,000 for a risk-free bet on your next favorite underdog parlay or prop. Eagle Casino and Sports. Made in Michigan, made for Michigan. Must be 21 or older in Michigan to play. Drive for a cause at Mini on the Mac on August 4th and 5th. Hundreds of Mini Cooper owners will come together at the world-famous Mackinac Bridge. You can register now at MiniOnTheMac.com to be a part of this one-of-a-kind event. That's MiniOnTheMac.com. For a lot of us, music and mental health are intertwined. That's why the Collaborative Lab created Intune, a free live stream event, and you're invited. May 18th is Mental Health Action Day, so take action for your own mental health by joining us from 7 to 9 p.m. Musical performances and conversations with The Verve Pipe, Barrel Bones, Carlos Cese, Cole Hansen, and more. Visit IUnderstandLoveHeals.org to learn how you can join the party for free. Breaking Benjamin. Live in concert in Grand Rapids. With special guests, Bush. 
see them live at Van Andel Arena, May 16th. Get tickets now at Ticketmaster.com. For more, visit BreakingBenjamin.com. Get tickets now. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. Wishing a very happy birthday to a loyal listener of the huge show and of X's and Bros in the morning. The Michigan Sports Network lets us know and contacts us all the time. And, you know, just a uh, just a just a, a great individual, longtime listener, a good buddy, Steve Eiserman, huh? The general manager of the Detroit Red Wings. Holy jumping. My goodness. All right. Well, uh, you know, speaking of hockey and, uh, and the NHL, the lottery was last week. Yep. NHL lottery was last week. Last night, I should say. Not last, last week. Uh, was last night. And as we, as we look to what the lottery means, the lottery is a way to hopefully prevent teams from tanking. That's what the lottery is supposed to do. So by giving teams a percentage of odds in order to get the first overall pick in the draft to potentially move up, whatever the case may be, the lottery is there so that teams don't openly lose games and hurt the overall integrity of the game like the Philadelphia 76ers did throughout their, quote, process era in which they just you know attempted to lose every game that they could. They were winning 8, 10 games a season. It makes sense. The problem is, is that teams like the Blackhawks move up in the lottery, and teams like the Red Wings have no lottery luck. In fact, even when we were the worst team by far, we moved backwards in the draft. We just could never move up. We can't get the number one pick. Last night was no different. My conversation with Ryan Hanna for the Wing Wheel Podcast. Join us now covering the Detroit Red Wings for the Wings uh, Winged Wheel Pod. Our good buddy, Ryan Hanna. Find him on Twitter at Ryan Hanna, WWP. Ryan my friend, good morning to you. Uh, somber times. How are you? How's life? How are things, my friend? <laughs> well, you know, I was prepared emotionally for uh, for ninth yesterday, but maybe not for Chicago winning. So, uh, yeah, a little bit of a somber morning, but I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's a it's a pleasure to talk to you, even though it's under the circumstance right here that the uh, the lottery uh, ping pong ball is just not very nice to the Detroit Red Wings at all. And the Red Wings, who have had the most losses in the NHL over the last seven seasons. And here are the lottery picks to show for it. Nine six six four six eight nine. This really, truly is. I mean, this is the story. I mean, it would be nice to give like Steve Eiserman. Hey, here's a here's a one one. Here's a Connor Bedard. What do they do now? Oh yeah, that would have been nice. It would have solved everything if the the ping pong balls would have broken their way. But like you said, it just doesn't happen. Not for the Red Wings. Maybe this is uh, uh, just the the Red Wings holding off on the lottery luck so the Pistons can have Wembenyama. But uh, we'll see about that in a little while, I guess. Uh, the reality is Detroit had a one in twenty shot of landing Connor Bedard and a one in twenty shot of landing Adam Fantilli. So it was nice to dream, but ninth overall this year is 
it's okay. You can work with it. There's some really good prospects there. Not only that, uh, Eisenman has some uh, toys to play with in terms of draft capital. He has a second first-round pick, which is looking to be maybe 17th overall, three second-round picks, potentially two firsts next year. Like You, you can work with it. So you just kind of have to pinch your nose because uh, the, uh, the Hawks are getting bedard, and that blows objectively. Um, all in all, though, there should be a step taken this offseason, though. Well, you know, when we look at the offseason, what exactly, like, what, what what's on the priority list for you, Ryan, when you take a look at this team that had a lot of promise early on and maybe surprised some folks early on, even though they didn't have their full complement uh, of, of the roster, their full artillery uh, wasn't even in service yet. And then we go back to that fateful two-game uh, two game, you know, road trip there to Ottawa where it was like sell everybody off, the, the things have spiraled, the wheels are officially off the bus. What is on your list of priorities of areas that need to be addressed this offseason? Well, the, the first one is probably the least fun one to talk about and uh, not exactly the most um, uh, newsworthy item, but it has to be growth from within. This is something that Steve Eisenman and Derek Malone both talked about in their, their postseason pressers. Um, and it's the most realistic form of improvement the Redwings can take. They need Lucas Raymond to be better. And it's not like he was terrible this year, but they just know it's time for him to take a big step. They, they're expecting more from guys like uh, uh, Joe Valeno. You know, obviously, most Sider will continue to prove. Um, and then you're hoping that Marco Casper and Simon Edmondson uh, make the team whenever Edmondson gets back from his shoulder injury. Um, make the team and make an impact. And you have to essentially bank on that kind of incremental improvement because the reality is unless Eisman goes out there and makes a shocker of a trade, there's just not a lot to do this offseason. Like the, the free agency pool is pretty thin, quite honestly. Um, there's some guys they can they can grab. Maybe they win the uh, the David Severson uh, sweepstakes, which is a little bit dramatic to say for uh, uh, probably a middle pair guy uh, on defense. Uh, maybe they pick up like a Mayfield or, or a Radko Gudas, but none of these guys are going to be world beaters. So, yeah, you, you look to free agency for some things, but um, the solution is just not there. The Red Wings need to add uh, to plug in that hole left by Philip Ronick, but they really really, really need to add scoring long-term. This is a team that just didn't finish this year. They don't have the high-end scoring talent. It doesn't exist out there unless, like I said, Eisman goes out and makes a trade. So you have to start to address that, and it's not all going to be in one fell swoop. So, yeah, the guys in the winged wheel right now are the ones going to have to be to do the bulk of that work. That makes me very nervous. Uh, that makes me very nervous as as a whole to know that you know the the internal development has got to be what kind of brings. I mean, Dylan Larkin, you know, thirty goals, thirty two goals, seventy nine points in the season. That that's fantastic. But when we look down the list, you mentioned high high end scoring. There just there just isn't a lot of that. David Perron was number two with twenty four goals this season. Uh, Kubalik had twenty. Lucas Raymond had seventeen. Were you uh, it, Lucas Raymond seventeen goals in, in seventy four games, twenty eight assists, only forty five points? What did you make of uh, you know Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider's uh, sophomore years? Uh, both of them have some had some stuff to work on. I think Sider had a really rocky start. Um, part of that was he seemed to be kind of. Um, in his own head and, and expecting too much and, and trying to do too much. 
Uh, and another part of it is I don't think that pairing with Ben Sherratt was necessarily a, a good fit stylistically. It just didn't work out. Uh, but Sider figure, figured it out, and once he did, it was the Sider of last season, if not better. So um, there's no real concerns for me from Sider's end. And really, with Lucas Raymond, uh, he was up and down for a lot of the year. Um, I think a lot of that that's lost in there is people forget that he still was up in there. So I'm by no means am I uh, uh, pressed about Lucas Raymond or, or thinking that this is going to be a, a problem long-term. But, yeah, you mentioned 17 goals. This is a guy whose shot is – I don't think he believes in his, his own shot enough. He needs to uh, uh, find a way to use that more. Probably needs to build some strength, get, get some uh, uh, weight behind him this offseason. He's done that before before coming into the NHL, and you kind of have to replicate that process. And building that strength uh, or that strength and, and that conditioning at the NHL level is also going to help him find space and uh, adapt as teams kind of game plan around him. The first thing they did once they, they you know, so-called got the tape on Lucas Raymond was they just collapsed on him. They took away all his time and space to make decisions and shoot, and he has to uh, adjust around that. So the skill is still still there. The talent is still there. And really, he, it wasn't an awful year in terms of production, but yeah, he needs to find a way to really lean on that shot more and uh, get up to NHL kind of strength and, and conditioning there. Do you think that there is um, a way that the Red Wings might be able to move from that ninth selection? Because we talked there about Raymond. It's like, okay, there, there's, going to need, there's going to need to be some, some assistance uh, and some assistance like readily available that might not necessarily exist. And if we're banking on you know, some wild, crazy development where someone's just going to appear into a 40-goal score magically out of a hat, I don't know if that's going to happen this offseason within their camp as well. So is there a way or a scenario that you could see that maybe the Red Wings uh, move from number nine where their, where their selection was placed last night that they maybe crack into that top five? Yeah, I mean... It's, let me preface this by saying it's not likely. That top five has a lot of excellent players, like really excellent players, and it's going to be expensive to try to trade into it. But that's my like pie-in-the-sky scenario. The Red Wings have a lot to work with. Like I said, uh, ninth and, and likely 17th in the first round this year, three second-round picks uh, this year, potentially two first-round picks next year. They have quite a few assets. Uh, and that top five, yeah, Connor Bedard's going first overall. Yeah, Adam Fintley is likely going second second overall. That leaves you with Matt Vemichkov, who's a complicated player because he, he could be the most uh, close in talent to Connor Bedard, but he's also going to be in Russia guaranteed for the next three years. You have Leo Carlson, and you have uh, Will Smith out of the USNTDP. Uh, if you can land any one of those three, at fifth, that would be absolutely worth it for me, especially if it's, you know, uh, Mitchkov or Will Smith. And that's not a knock on Carlson, but I just think Mitchkov could be such a diamond to the rough. But to try to convince uh, uh, the teams, you know, San Jose, Montreal, or, or Columbus to trade, I, it's, they're going to ask for for a lot. So maybe instead you're trading up to six and then you have your choice of whoever else you like there. Or maybe, I don't know, there's a lot of things you can do. Um, I would love the idea of trading into the top five. My hot take is that they don't make both picks nine and 17 as they are right now. I don't know necessarily that that it's going to turn into trading the ninth overall pick. It could mean trading up from 17 to 12 or something to that effect. Interesting. And with multiple picks in the first round, 
You know, there's obviously a debate because, you know, with the Pistons, they're going to need some uh, some ping-pong luck as well. And I, I like to make the case that, okay, if the Red Wings, if we had to sacrifice the Red Wings ping-pong ball and Connor Bedard, maybe it will pay off for Victor Wembenyama uh, for the Detroit Pistons. My question then would be if we have two picks in the top 20 as it stands right now, what do you think the probability, if the picks stay where they are at, the probability of both of those guys being able to see time with the Wings next season? in the NHL it's uh, it's a different it's a different sport I know literally but it's a different sport when you consider it compared to um, to basketball in the NFL and where guys can make a more immediate impact I think if you see the ninth overall pick play in the NHL this season that would be pretty astounding it doesn't happen very often but for both 9 and 17 uh, I, I wouldn't bank on that it's just not how hockey prospects shake out no matter how talented these kids are, like this is a league of grown men who will absolutely punish you. Um, so, you know, if you're someone who's NHL ready uh, to come in and make an impact day one, in all likelihood you're going higher than 17th uh, and ninth overall. So I wouldn't say that they're going to come in and uh, one would be a fantastic outcome, but not both. Okay, I can I can live with uh, I I can maybe live with with one and yes the development much more like what we see uh, with baseball where you're where you're selecting kids and you're gonna see whether they're playing overseas or they're playing uh, on this on this continent here OHL or WHL or that maybe they're in the ECHL working their way to the AHL depending on how the franchise views that pipeline. You know, maybe maybe there will be you know some some sort of like uh, I don't know consolation that maybe we see one of them uh, get to the wings, but you're you're really drafting for you know two three four years down the road, and the quick the, as quick as somebody can get to us, uh, the better off uh, you know that the team you know might be. But that's kind of what uh, what what the real hope is to be able to get a guy like Bedard who could come in and play literally right away, like day one. Here he is youngster he's here he's ready and that's why that number one pick not only for the talent but i mean just for the amount of time uh that you could have this guy he's just so valuable i know yeah he's like heartbreaking uh, he's a special player he is a special player and it's you almost didn't want to get too emotionally attached coming into the season or coming into the draft lottery because he's you know the best prospect to come through uh, the draft since since Austin Matthews. I don't know necessarily that I'm putting him at the Connor McDavid level, but it's not insane to talk about, which is something in its own right. So he's going to change the game for Chicago. And if he doesn't, it'll be one of the biggest draft busts in, in professional sports modern history. Hey, no, no pressure, Mr. Bedard. No pressure at all. You got, you got this. All right, I do want to ask you a little bit about uh, uh, the playoffs and, and what's taking place uh, right now, if you don't mind, if we can hop into that real quick. Uh, who, who do you like right now? Is there a team that, you know, obviously with our wings being out, I'm not going to lie, I'm a, I'm a big bandwagon guy, so once the Red Wings are out, I will pick a horse, and I'll ride that horse until they lose, and then I'll jump on another horse. Uh, but I've been, I've been all in on the Edmonton Oilers. They were despicable last night. That was a terrible loss, 5-1 to one to the Vegas Gold Knights. At home too in Edmonton. Like, come on, guys. Uh, but is there a team that you are rooting for, or a team that you are most interested in following and watching? You know, all the teams out of the West are really interesting to me. Like you, I, I do want to see Edmonton play more hockey, just because I love watching. You know what Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl are doing. See, so, I knew I liked uh, you, Ryan. I knew it. Great minds think alike, my friend. I'm telling you, man. And, uh, yeah, it's a little wonky over there because I think all four of those teams left in the West could challenge for the Cup. 
like Seattle has blown through expectations. They're bleeding Dallas Stars right now 2-1, and there was a really good case to make coming into the playoffs that Dallas is the most complete team in the postseason, and I still think that might be true. And here Seattle you know, has them, uh, has them their backs up against the wall. Uh, Vegas, I think, was sorely overlooked just because people thought, oh, well, Edmonton has to go through them, and so Vegas is going to lose, but that's not necessarily the case. They're the first seed in the West, and like you said, they took Edmonton to task last night. Um Obviously, what Florida is doing to Toronto is objectively hilarious and good for everyone. Uh, and, you know, as much as you love to hate the guy when he's playing your team, watching what Matthew Kachuk does is uh, he's going to be the blueprint, the DNA for a lot of GMs in terms of how they want to build their teams, especially when it comes to playoff competitive uh, type of rosters. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, pretty much I, I want to see the Edmonton Oilers go as far as possible, but anyone out of the West right now, I think all of those teams are going to be super challenging for whoever comes out of the East. Carolina and New Jersey, I mean, you can't discount Carolina, especially uh, that series is wonky, two blowouts and then a blowout in another direction. These whole playoffs are a little bit chaotic. Um, in terms of who I'm actually rooting for outside of Edmonton, uh, I mentioned Florida up 3 nothing on Toronto. If they seal that, if they move into the, the conference finals, Detroit's second first-round pick uh, that belongs to the Islanders that they got from Vancouver in the Heronic trade. That was poised to be 18th overall, but it moves to 17th overall if Florida moves to the conference finals. So there's a, a an objectively rational reason for us to cheer for the, the Panthers to win at least one more game. And I think that they're going to do that, and I think they're going to advance in uh, a sweep there of the Maple Leafs. I mean, boy, the, the fans north of the border, they're going to be just absolutely distraught. I'm glad that you're on board with the uh, the, the McDavid train and, and Dreisaitl and Darnell Nurse and the gang out there uh, in Edmonton. They're just a fun team to watch. I just need to you know, get their heads screwed on straight uh, Wednesday night to try to tie that series and, and maybe take this thing to seven. Who knows? Or, or just get it done in, in game six. But you got to win, gotta win a, a pair of couple games here back-to-back if you are Edmonton. His name is Ryan Hanna. You can find him on Twitter. Ryan Hanna, WWP, the Wing Wheel Podcast. Ryan, my friend, as always, thank you so much for your time today, partner. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, maybe one of these days we'll be able to talk about some lottery luck at some point. Thanks for having me on, man. And yeah, maybe. I hope we don't have to talk about the lottery ever again, but uh, I look forward to doing this soon again anyways. Hey, thank you, my friend. And that's a great point, too. Everything huge, 24-7 at thehugeshow.net. Huge here for the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can stay up to date on the latest from Lansing 24-7 at MHSAA.com. At MHSAA on Twitter and MHSAA on Facebook. The latest news, press releases, and stories connected to every high school in the state of Michigan. Available for you 24-7 from the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Log on to MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, and MHSAA on Facebook. And if you're looking for archive, boys and girls, high school sports, MHSAA.tv. That's MHSAA.tv. 24-7, everything you need to know about high school sports in Michigan. Log on to MHSAA.com. Godsmack, live and in your face. Friday, May 26th at Soaring Eagle Casino, plus Bad Wolves. And same show, same night, Bullet for My Valentine. 
Tickets start at $28. On sale now at the Soaring Eagle box office or etix.com. Party hard. Rock harder. Godsmack. May 26th. Part of the Soaring Eagle Summer Outdoor Concert Series. We might have just come out with our most refreshing Michelob Ultra Organic Seltzer yet. It's called the Essential Collection. It's made with coconut water and real fruit juice. So it's always going to have a real refreshing fruit taste. Can refreshing get any more refreshing? Yep, it can and it just did. Michelob Ultra Organic Seltzer. Made with coconut water and real fruit juice for superior taste. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Enjoy responsibly. Anheuser-Busch Michelob Ultra Organic Seltzer. IRC Beer, St. Louis, Missouri. Maybe you have a job as a dentist or a teacher or a student, but if you're driving in your car listening to this ad, your job right now is to drive. That's it. And that job does not involve touch screens or texts or scrolling through social media. It involves your hands on the wheel and your eyes on the road. Distracted driving is dangerous and deadly. The Michigan Association of Chiefs of Police has one simple request. Do your job. Roast Umber is a farm direct coffee sourced from Central American farmers and roasted in Grand Rapids. And also the Nitro Cold Brew Coffee is a convenient and healthy option for energy with no sugar additives. Look for it at your local retailer or at RoastUmber.com. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. to the huge show hour number three here on this tuesday evening about 15 minutes to the top of the hour roughly about 14 minutes actually to be precise tigers baseball first pitch 610 this evening on the road in cleveland looking for win number two in game number two against the guardians big nick says uh, av in the morning and in the afternoon let's roll i love it i love you big nick Thanks for being a part of the show. So here's what I didn't have planned, but scratch my plan, hit the delete button on the on the show rundown, and start over as this one just made its way down the wire. Now, some of you may know Anthony Bellino here, filling in for the huge one, Bill Simonson. Uh, some of you may or may not know that I do the uh, public address announcing for the University of Michigan uh, for men's and women's basketball, and then I do the uh, on-field in-game hosting for Michigan football. So I've, I've been doing basketball since 20, I don't know, 2015, 2016, maybe. It's been a while. And it's been a while. And uh, we've seen a lot of players come and go. That's why you know, I have a special attachment to guys like Xavier Simpson, Muhammad Ali Abdurrahman, one of my favorite players ever, uh, Derek Walton Jr., Zach Irvin, you know, all, uh, a lot of different guys. Duncan Robinson, Jordan Poole, obviously I pay a lot of attention to those two because I watched them a lot. Another guy named Hunter Dickinson. Decided he was going to enter the transfer portal. Why am I bringing up Hunter? Huge already talked about this. I'm sure he did. Did Huge already talk about this, Brett? Hunter Dickinson in the transfer portal pick in Kansas? Um, no, he hasn't yet. No. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, Hunter picked Kansas, uh, for those that may not be aware, which is totally fine. The way he went about it, the video that he released on social media, one of the most cringeworthy, corny videos I've ever seen. Now, look, I'm not spiteful. Go do whatever you want. It, it, at the end of the day, as I like to remind people, win, lose, or draw, it all pays the same. So, yes, Hunter Dickinson deciding to go to the portal. Was it a shot to the Michigan basketball faithful? Of course it was. The guy's a potential All-American every single year. Like, that's the entire offense. He's gone. 
where is everybody? They either went to the NBA or they transferred out. So you got Will Cheese, a.k.a. Will Cheddar, Karis Reed Jr., and Doug McBuckets. The only three guys left. They're the last of the Mohicans. And me. That's it. That's all we got. That's all we got. Kobe Buffkin, come back. Anyways, Hunter leaves. It's fine. The video's terrible, but it's fine that he wants to leave. Well, he was discussing his decision on the latest episode of the Round Ball podcast released earlier today. And Dickinson acknowledged the role that name, image, and likeness played in leaving. First off, can we be honest here? At what point is anybody going to actually use their name, image, and likeness to generate money? Or are we just going to disguise pay for play, which is what this is? There is no salary cap. There is no union. There's no rules. The brown bag is now, instead of a brown bag, secretive. It's now just a briefcase. I'll give you X amount of dollars to come and play here. When Hunter Dickinson made the announcement, I said there's probably one of two things. One, he's looking at the roster right now, knowing that they're not going to be able to contend. They're not. Like that's just that's just point blank period. I got no other way to say it. There's no way to sugarcoat it. They're not good enough to contend. Not for a national championship. <sighs> no way. Maybe they'll prove me wrong. Maybe they'll take the snippet of this audio and it'll be it'll be put together in some montage at the end of the season where our own PA guy says we don't have a chance. Look at us now. Yeah, sure. Okay. Wake up. Anyways, Hunter Dickinson said that he received, quote, less than six figures at Michigan last year. Although it's, you know, unclear, right? Dickinson did say that, you know, he did try to reason that most of the people that would criticize his decision would leave their jobs to receive a $10,000 pay raise. That's if it's 10000 maybe it's more. I've heard it was somewhere in the range, like it could be anywhere between seventy and 90000 a season for 36 games. Are you kidding me? Sign me up for that. When and where? Like, I'm, I'm in. He said, quote, I still do love Michigan. I still love the school and everything. Love the program. That's why it was so hard to leave because I really didn't want to leave. I just felt like it was the best decision for me. Hmm. The writer of this article on The Spun says, Dickinson said he gave up his Wolverine legacy to be, quote, selfish and do what's best for his career. Best for your career, best for your pocketbook. I don't know. Bill Self doesn't miss the tournament. Michigan did. Is what it is. Now, some people are going to be like, I can't believe that Michigan's only paying 100 tickets. They're less than six figures. How could they do it? I can hear them now. We got to get an NIL. We got we to get, get a union, folks. That's what we need to do. College basketball and the College Basketball Players Association needs to be a thing. The CBPA, College Basketball Players Association, just like the College Football Players Association, they need to unionize, and they need to take the television rights contracts and lay those out on the table, and you can use the National Hockey League or the National Basketball Association or the National Football League as really good guidance on how to make this work. Football generates... X amount of dollars. Here's our collective bargaining agreement. Here is our split of the college football related income. And that's how we go about doing it. It's not hard, people. 
It is not hard. Some people might argue with me, well, what about the scholarship? What about the academia? Other people are going to tell me, what about rowing? What about golf? I love golf. I play golf all the time. Some of you don't play golf and you hate when we talk about golf, but I play golf. I like it. It's enjoyable. It's frustrating. Whatever. Guess what? You know how expensive a golf team is in college? Nobody is paying to see college golf. They're not, they're not generating any revenue. What's it take to fly a team to Hawaii, to Florida, to Texas, to California, multiple times a season? You're nuts. College football and college basketball need to take care of themselves. What's the deal for college football? Here's the money. Here's the salary cap. Every team can spend it. That's how we, that's how we do it. Just look to the NFL. It's really not that hard. Shouldn't be complaining over the fact that Michigan only paid Hunter Dickinson less than they 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 paid him less than six figures. Oh man, I remember when college kids didn't get paid at all. I'm old enough to remember that. Now 70, 80, 90,000 ain't enough. Where are we going? Spiraling out of control. That's Brett Hayes. I'm Anthony Bellino. Thanks so much for joining us. Huge one back tomorrow. I'll see you guys later. Enjoy Tigers baseball tonight, Stanley Cup playoffs, NBA playoffs. Keep it locked to the Michigan Sports Network. Big. Bad.